I thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. And we have an exciting topic that we're going to dive into this evening, which I, I pray and hope that it is as exciting it is for you as it is uh, for me. And just believing that God's going to do something special in all of our hearts and be able to speak to us and and no pun, no pun intended to correct our vision. And, and it's going to make more sense as we get deeper uh, in today's uh, lesson. So, Father, I pray now that you would just help us learn and grow and be totally transformed by the authority of your word. Thank you so much for technology that allows us to be together uh, in one place, but yet in multiple different uh, locations. So, Father, I pray that you would just allow uh, the word of God to bring comfort, to bring encourage, encouragement and even courage uh, during the season and climate that we're in. But then also let it provide corrective measures that we all need to be able to become the men and women of God that we have been called and created uh, to be. And God, I also pray that if there's someone here watching that may not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that that God, as we spend our time together, that uh, they too will come to a saving knowledge of Christ and their their vision will be completely corrected um, as we uh, learn and grow together. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as, as we uh, uh, deal with this climate that we're in today, the reality is that um, I believe that many times our vision gets blurry, right? Um, we get blurred vision as we view life, as we view others, even as we view ourselves. Somehow it becomes skewed, it becomes distorted, it becomes fuzzy. Um, and, and I believe as we have headed into this 2020 year, there has been a plethora of many types of um, uh, slogans, if you would, that people have uh, coined heading into 2020. But at the end of the day, I believe as a whole, the church has lost its way, uh, meaning that it's lost its, its clarity and it's uh, of its ultimate purpose and its ultimate calling. And that is to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, think about the Great Commission for a little bit. Great, the Great Commission was given to the church um, at, at a crucial time, right before uh, really before the church was really established at that time. But Jesus was ascend, about to ascend into heaven. And if you would, God, uh, God through Christ gave uh, his disciples the marching orders. And that was to uh, go into all the world, right? First began in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. But if you study church history, just like we, the church, many times we find ourselves stagnant. We find ourselves staying where it's comfortable. So you have the children of Israel, you know, you have the upper room experience. You have this, if you would, this, this historic transformational encounter with the Holy Spirit that, that was uh, unlike any time before in history. And then you, you saw God do some amazing things in Jerusalem. And the human tendency is to say, okay, cool, God, you did this amazing thing. Now let me kind of just stay put and be and remain warm and fuzzy uh, as 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 um, as again the tendency that we even have today as the church. You have a lot of churches in their own homogeneous locations, especially unfortunately different racial and cultural homogeneous locations. 
or if not your your preference homogeneous location and there's this tendency to just kind of congregate and be in your Jerusalem but then there's this this move of God that has to occur or this nudging of God that has to occur to cause us all to move from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. So after the great revivals that after Peter's great messages and and two, if you would, bulk harvests occurred, uh, the church began to experience persecution, which ultimately moved them to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world, right? So here we are today. Similarly, God has now taken us off of are out of our little homogeneous comfort zones and and saying you know what it's time for you to move from jerusalem judea samaria all the most parts of the world to fulfill the great commission that i've called you to fulfill and commanded you to fulfill so that being said the vision many times of the church has been skewed that it begins to be the pastor's vision it begins to be that church itself's vision you know it, it is driven by passions is driven by uh, uh, honestly selfish motives, vain glory, uh, and many times that is what's driving the church rather than keeping our eyes on the ultimate responsibility and calling of the church, which is to fulfill the Great Commission. And within that, you can't fulfill the Great Commission without communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ and staying true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here we are, 2020, now if you were being rebooted as a church to to do this or having our vision corrected to ultimately become whom God has called and created us to be. And that is many women who turn the world upside down or right side up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that being said, the first thing I we're going to be, first of all, in Second Corinthians chapter 10. All right. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and only about seven of the verses, one through seven, and then maybe I'll bring out some peripheral verses just to kind of help expound, expound on, on what we're learning today. So when you look at, again, the this text, it's very profound when it comes to how we see things outwardly. And, and I'm going to elaborate on this a little further. But our vision becomes blurry, and, and vision becomes blurry, then we find ourselves losing our way uh, and if you would, not having the guardrails to keep us um, moving where God wants us to be. And that is to be the church that is fulfilling what he's commanded us to do. And that is to see uh, men and women of all nations, tribes, and tongues come to the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. Right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 I want to first read the first part of verse 7 to you. And I'm sure some of you probably have read this passage over and over again. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7 says this. You are looking at things, and this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. right? And, and that's what many times we do as, as followers of Jesus Christ. We have this outward lens. We only see what's happening. No more. There's no more toilet paper over the shelf, right? There's no more water. There's no more milk. We look at things outwardly and rather than seeing behind the veil and really trying to determine exactly what God is saying behind the veil rather than what we see in front of the veil, right? So, so how does the vision become blurry? It's because we see things outwardly. The word outwardly means this. The appearance one presents by his wealth or his poverty, his rank or his low condition, 
the outward circumstances, external conditions. It is used in expression denoting one's judgment and treatment of others. You hear that? So let me kind of give you four, uh, if you would, descriptions that that helps kind of solidify how our vision gets blurry when we're looking outwardly. The first is this, is we get blurred vision, it seems like, when we see things only economically, right? The appearance of one's that one presents with his wealth or the lack of his poverty, right? So many times you see people get so intent on the economy. How is the economy? And then if the economy is good, then what? I'm good. Secondly, blurred vision uh, only sees power rankings, right? Is authority and power. It says his rank or low condition. That's part of that definition of outwardly, right? So we all struggle with this power ranking, you know, who has the power, who has the authority, right? But then you also see the third point in this definition of outwardly is that blurred vision only sees physical conditions, right? In other words, it is the outward circumstances, external condition. You know, how are you looking? How are you how is my appearance? How's my hair, right? How are my eyes? Is, is my figure tight and right? All these different things we look at on the outward are the physical condition. And then the fourth way that vision gets blurry, right? Is that people only see people from the outside in, right? Remember what Jesus said, excuse me, what God said about the children of Israel, that they failed when they sought out their king, King Saul. He says, listen, you're looking at the outward appearance of man, right? Because Saul was what? Tall in statue. The scripture says he was head and shoulder. He was the most handsomest man in the land amongst the people. And that's why they chose him. They chose Saul. Why? It's because Saul was the handsome guy, outward appearance. But when David was appointed, right? That's when the prophet came and said, no, no, I, I want the ruddy one. I want the one that's out in the field taking care of the sheep. That God is not judging one based upon the outside, but what? The condition of the heart. And where we fail as people of God is that we look at people from the outside in. Their race, their culture, their parents, if they're tall, fat, short, you know, Coke bottle or whatever it is. And then we fall short in really uh, looking at people. Listen to this looking at people the way God sees people and God sees people as finished. God sees people as redeemed. God sees people as saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Make sense? So, so we get this blurry vision again, when we look at things only economically, this pop through power, through physical condition, and even looking at people from the outside in. Make sense? So that's how we get this blur vision. So I don't want to leave you there because I want to give you uh, some corrective measures. We want to correct our lens tonight, okay? So we're going to go back to, again, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to see how we can correct our vision. Are you with me tonight? All right. So if you go back to chapter 10, 2 Corinthians, beginning with verse 1, we're going to read through verse 3 and find our first way that we can uh, begin to move towards some corrective measures. It says this, now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some. 
who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, here's our key point in verse number three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You hear that? So though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So our first way that we can correct our blur vision is to become men and women who learn how to war while we walk, to walk while we war. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, you cannot walk in the spirit without realizing that you're warring in the spirit or you're warring in the flesh, right? You cannot, you cannot war in the flesh, right? without walking every single day of your life with realities in your face, right? So we have to become men and women who learn how to walk war while we walk and walk while we war. So think about this again. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So this is how, if you would, walk in the, in the flesh should begin to look towards us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5, it says this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times would come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful and arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. All this sounds familiar, right? It says ungrateful, right? Who can raise those hands, right? Who's ungrateful? I know many times I become ungrateful, unholy, unloving. 